And welcome to PodPod. I'm Rihanna Dillon and I am joined this week by journalist and PodPod reporter Reem Makari and PodPod editor Adam Shepherd. Hi both. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for coming back on. You must have enjoyed it last week to put yourself through it yet again. We're always excited to see you. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a really, really fun group of people lined up to chat to today. We're going to be talking to Jamie Morton, Alice Levine, and James Cooper. And you know those names very, very well because you must have listened to them over the past eight years of them doing My Dad Wrote a Porno. But they came on essentially to do a very, very special announcement. I think we were the first podcast that they spoke to about this. They're ending. My Dad Wrote a Porno is coming to an end, which just feels like such a, I don't know, it feels like the end genuinely of an era. I feel like when people kind of look back at this um, time of podcasting, there will be before porno and after porno. Is that we knew so many people would have such an emotional attachment to an erotica novel. <laughs> For me, it's so nostalgic because I, you know, it's kind of seen me through so many of my years living in London. I don't know, it, it kind of sums up all my commutes being on the tube. Like, I remember where I was listening to certain episodes. It's such a weird thing, I guess, because it was so huge and it was so funny. And it got to that point, didn't it, where you'd be on the tube and someone else would be laughing and you would be laughing and you'd both be listening to an episode of my dad wrote porno mm. that just doesn't happen it doesn't and it was a real watershed moment for podcasting particularly it, you know it wasn't the first podcast by any stretch of the imagination no. but it was the first podcast that really felt like it had cut through and just reached this not even cult status but was just genuinely enormously popular i mean you know my Dad Wrote a Porno has been a household name for easily, what, four or five years now, at mm -hmm. least? I think it was even longer. You know, it was kind of huge from the moment it launched, pretty much. I remember it was such a word-of-mouth mm. podcast. Everyone was saying, have you heard? Apparently, it was Acast's most downloaded podcast pilot in history at the time. Wow. It might even still be. It's one of the OG podcasts. <laughs> and there's there's very, like now, the fact that there's so much competition between podcasts, because there's so many coming out every single year. It's crazy to think of like that small community of the OG podcasters that started out in like, say, 2014, 2015. And there's ones that are like the Guilty Feminists, No Such Thing as a Fish. And my dad wrote porno, of course, being one of the most memorable ones. I mean, if you kind of think about everything they've covered, they've had 430 million plus downloads globally. They've had worldwide tours sell out. So, you know, I remember them talking about doing stuff at the Sydney Opera House, which is crazy. <laughs> um, it's not something that you expect for podcasting. It's that idea of podcasts were being taken seriously. They were in the same category as music concerts or stand-up gigs and it was it kind of brought podcasting a bit more into that level of conversation I think or am I overblowing this I don't think you are at all I think it was a, a real genuine smash hit that elevated the entire medium of podcasting to that that kind of level of respectability where you could start having serious conversations about booking tours for podcasts specifically, rather than just, you know, little one-off gigs. And on a personal note, it was lovely to speak to Alice Levine because we used to work together at Radio 1 and she very sweetly helped me um, get dressed in the girls' toilets <laughs> just before the Radio 1 Christmas party one year. So uh, forever in her debt. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So My Dad Wrote a Porno, as we've said, is coming to an end. They're releasing three final episodes, one on the 28th of November, one on the 5th of December and one on the 12th of December with a final interview with Rocky Flintstone, writer of Belinda Blinked himself. <laughs> it's going to be so exciting to actually hear him on the podcast for the first time. The big reveal. <laughs> it's going to be incredible. <laughs> um, so here are me and Reem talking to Jamie Morton, Alice Levine and James Cooper. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks Hello. for having us. Thank this is you. nice. 
It's very rare to get all of us on one pod together. It's like seeing all five Spice Girls. What, like, apart from your own? <laughs> apart from our own, yeah. We're very selective over what other pods we do as a three just because of schedules and stuff. So this is this is fun for us. We it's are new. very, very grateful. And there is a reason for you guys all coming together. Please, could you tell us what you have just announced? The Spice Girls is a good analogy, Jamie. It is. <laughs> Who's Jerry? <laughs> We're breaking up. Um, no, yes, my dad wrote a porno is coming to an end, unfortunately, this Christmas. Oh. But it is, it isn't all sad, you know. There's no hideous backstory to dig through. <laughs> we just feel like it's it's time. You know, Belinda's been on many adventures. We've been on them all with her and we think it's time to kind of let her go and and uh, pursue other 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 sexual exploits. Have a private life. Exactly. <laughs> Less of us prying. We're going to try and find some really deep-rooted issues of t- as to why this is coming to an end. I hope so. Yeah, dig. <laughs> Tell us, how did you come to that decision, first of all? Was it a sort of one of you sat down and you, this is it? Or did you all come to that decision together? We had a discussion back in May, I think. that like I think there was a sense between all of us that it just felt like the right time, like creatively, and that we'd done so much with the brand, it was hard to know where else like we could take it, basically. Um, so yeah, we kind of had a sit down in May and, and we kind of all at the same time kind of said the same thing and agreed that it was just the right time. I mean, don't get me wrong, Rocky's written 50 books, so that, that <laughs> continues without us. But like the last book ended with, spoiler alert, but Belinda got a new job basically, so was going on to kind of a new chapter in her life. So that kind of synced in with us going into a new chapter in our life. So yeah, it just felt like everything kind of came together at the right time. And I think it's fair to say after every book, we're like, is this the end? Do we carry on? Because we always sort of have a check-in after every one and go, is it still really fun? Do mm-hmm. we still really love doing it? And is like James says, is there a place to take it? And I think we had like two out of those three and we were like, oh, it's still really fun, but maybe this is like a really nice natural point. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've all been joking that like all of the shows that are kind of lauded for their like abstemiousness if that's the word for doing like two series or three series and we're like eight years deep baby (laughs) more is more we'll definitely come back to you know what what's happened in those eight years but I guess this is a time for you all to reflect on what's happened in those eight years what's kind of evolved so Jamie can you kind of go back to like the very beginning of my dad wrote a porno and just maybe think about how the very first recording compares to the very last recording. Do you know what? Interestingly, and this is shameful to admit, not much different, <laughs> to be honest. Same microphones that we bought. We actually bought them fresh for the first recording. They're very much battered. Alice is having to hold hers yeah. uh, because it's basically on its last leg, literally. But no, I think what we always kind of enjoyed about our show was that it did feel like we were just three mates around the kitchen table mm. and that kind of became our trademark sound, if you like. We never did one in a studio. It was always very kind of homemade in that respect. And so even though the show's grown exponentially, we never wanted to kind of lose that feel. So we always made sure that we kept recording it in the kitchen and having drinks and tea and snacks. So actually, in terms of the technical environment in which we record, nothing much has really changed. I mean, we do switch off the fridge now, uh, (laughs) which we didn't used to. I mean, the first episode is such terrible sound. But interestingly, the first episode was only ever supposed to be a pilot. It was never meant Mm. to be released, actually. And you can tell. And you you can tell, yeah. Because we were just a little bit like, you know, is this just funny for us? Like, do you need to know my dad to find it funny? Is it just our friendship group? So there was a bit of exploration in terms of the concept that we thought, well, let's just record one, see how it feels. And then as I was editing it, it kind of became abundantly clear that you couldn't recapture this, this kind of feeling of Alice and James hearing this material for the first time on mic. So I was like, guys, it sounds like shit but we're gonna have to use it I'm sorry (laughs) it's so different we interviewed Nicole Jackson last week who is the head Mm. of audio at the Guardian and they they do between 10 and 20 maybe even 30 pilots before they put anything really yeah oh wow which is bloody hell I mean we 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 did one and we did put it out so there you go (laughs) 
how do you feel the podcast changed you as people? Because you mentioned it didn't change the actual format of the show, but did it impact you personally? Oh, that's a big question. Well, it's nearly a decade of our lives that we've been doing it. So in that sense, you know, yeah. it's been very defining and it's been a constant, I think, you know, with lots of other stuff changing. It's been the thing that's always been there for such a long time. And we used to do it in the beginning after work. You know, we used to all do our separate jobs and then eight o'clock meet at someone's house. And if it was James's, you had to come fed. And if it was mine, you'd get some food. <laughs> and I suppose in that sense, it's changed. You know, it's become at different times, like our main, you know, sole focus is taking us around the world. And other times it's been the thing where we're like, oh, we know we're going to have these like amazing sort of 13 weeks of coming and just like laughing our heads off. So it's hard to say if it's changed us, but I feel like it's been really, yeah, I just feel like it's been quite defining. I think it's made us business people. Like it's certainly for me, it's the, it's the first time <laughs> I've run a business. And like in the early days when it kind of, because we started it and to, it took off quite quickly and we were quite kind of on the back foot and quite reactive to like opportunities were coming our way and we were reacting to them, some really exciting things. And like the other two are much better at um, being more critical of opportunity. I'll be like, yeah, anything. <laughs> but like Jamie and Alice are very good at kind of like, why are we doing this? What's in it for us? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and, you know, as time's gone on, we've I've learned, I've learned about tax. I've learned a lot about touring. <laughs> I've learned a lot about all sorts of like IP law and things like that. So yeah. we've certainly learned a lot in that respect as it's gone on. And we're in a place now where we can really kind of strategize with the brand and think about what we're doing next. And that's been like, for me, that's been one of the most kind of fun parts of it. All that kind of stuff that happens behind the scenes. Um, mm -hmm. It's been really fun to be totally in control of a brand and take it where you want to take it. So you kind of talked about how almost this has become this franchise right and you have done so many other things you've done live shows and you've done an HBO comedy special which is incredible so for you what have been the highlights when you look back and think about everything that you've achieved over those eight years we were talking the other day we did a book and it had the essence of the podcast about it because we were all just sat around the table we were all writing separate chapters and then passing them around to edit and sort of shouting things out and kind of going, does this make sense? Is this funny? And it was a real like workshopping environment. And that's probably our like least high profile iteration of the project. But I really loved how that came about because it was one of those things where it didn't involve loads of other people. It was the three of us mm. at our laptops in the way that the podcast is. So I really enjoyed that. And we did it in, what, six weeks? <laughs> oh, my God. It was so stressful. Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were recording season two, writing the book, and had our normal jobs. And something else was going on, but I can't remember what. what it was very, yeah, it was, it was frantic. But I think that kind of, like I said, added to the kind of excitement of it. It was a kind of a, a, a bit of a, a, a mad haze as we were doing that book. It was fun. One of the... Um maddest things for me it's it's a bit random and weird but basically last can i say this story i don't know what the story is spill it's the the um, yes you can say it james just say it james just say it we got an email last december i think it was from nasa oh. <laughs> uh, nasa has like this mental health department for their astronauts and basically they got in touch saying one of their astronauts on the international space station wanted to speak to us to help with their mental health. Oh my goodness. Um, so we ended up having a Teams call <laughs> with, uh, with someone on the International Space Station. Um, oh, wow. Which was nuts. Turns out she's up there. She's listening to My Dad Wrote a Porn. Well, she's back now. She is back now. We actually met her in oh, did you? America. Yeah, it was amazing. But, you know, she could have asked for anyone. Yeah. She could have asked for Obama. She could have asked for Beyonce. She asked for <laughs> us. It was very strange. You're we like, are you sure? Did, did, did everyone else say no? Giving us a tour of the space station was insane. And then seeing Earth through her window and it looking, it was amazing. Was that aspect something that you hadn't necessarily realised? That making people laugh is something that you, you just, you can't really replicate. It's an incredible skill. Was that something that you thought about much beforehand when you were just making each other laugh? What's mad to me is like comedy is kind of notoriously something that doesn't really travel very well. It's a very kind of local format. 
So the idea that this has kind of gone, we've been able to tour this and take it around the world with a comedy show is is mad. But I think it's something to do with more than just the comedy in some respect. It's, I think it's to do with like Jamie's relationship with his dad, our dynamic, like like the community feel of it, if that all feeds into it. But it is crazy that it's gone around the world in that way. There was a review that said that your show was a cultural phenomenon and that it revolutionized podcasting. What kind of impact do you think your show has had on other podcasts since you've been in the industry for such a long time? Mm. I hope a positive one. <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting because when we started, it was kind of the, the, the beginning of this second wave of the podcast renaissance, right? It was Serial, it was us. And, and, and we kind of reminisce about how no one really knew what a podcast was. It was like you had to <laughs> physically get people's phone and point out the podcast on their phones. So to see the the whole medium kind of evolve into what it's become, which is this incredible machine now, you know, every brand's got a podcast, every TV show's got a podcast, every celebrity's got a podcast, whether they should have one or not. And <laughs> it, it does really feel like it's the sort of medium that's become respected. And if we've had a little part of being people's gateway into this space, then that's amazing because it really wasn't like that for a very long time, actually. Was there a sort of community between you and the other podcasters? You know, like The Guilty Feminist, for example, is one that was having that quite meteoric rise in the same way that you were. Is that something that kind of bonded you all? 100%. Certainly no such thing as a fish. Like they felt like they were coming up at the same time. And Dan Schreiber was very complimentary and sort of generous with his time. He was one of our first guests. They felt like they were in parallel to us, you know, building their stuff. I mean, they probably started a bit before us, did they? Yeah, they were the year before us, I think. And what's nice is that they become actually friends. Like I'm godfather to one of Dan's kids now. And we met through podcasting. It's it's crazy, actually. Uh, Because as Al said, you know, when you come up together, you're kind of, there weren't many people that we could relate to and be like, Mm. oh, we've got this issue. Are you having that? And how do you accurately, you know, record download numbers? And have you got a sponsorship yet? Because there wasn't even sponsorship when we started. It was very much like Lisa mattresses and Squarespace. And that was about it. So yeah. (laughs) Particularly proper independence, right? Because they were people that sort of did all of the work, you know, they they made it with their bare hands. Whereas obviously there were lots of people after us who were part of a bigger machine. So it didn't really feel that comparable. So they didn't really encounter the same hurdles as as we were dealing with. So yeah, Jamie's right to even be able to troubleshoot with with someone was good. And it was funny because I was at the British Podcast Awards earlier on this year and me and Carrie Ad Lloyd, who does Griefcast, we were just sat at the back being like, God, it's changed. We felt like such old <laughs> grandparents of podcasting. We felt so out of touch. We were like, God, it's rich. And, and it's amazing that it's kind of evolved so much, but it, it really has changed a lot, actually. Do you feel excited about the future of podcasting? And what do you expect to happen in the next few years since it's evolving very fast now? Definitely very excited about it. I think it's great. And I think now that there's actually budgets in it for the first time, people can actually make money out of being truly creative, which is what was always, you know, that was the holy grail. I mean, we didn't even really think about monetization when we started because it just wasn't a thing that was even an option to us. But now, you know, people can be creative on their own merits. They can, as Al says, make it themselves and get financially rewarded for that. I think that's a massive change. And and, and it's really rare in all of media that you ever get that that sort of control and be able to own your IP and get a paycheck. I think that makes it a really exciting space for young people in particular, I think. It's mad as somebody from radio to see how the radio podcast relationship has changed. You know, podcasts always being the slightly niche fringe cousin uh, to linear radio. (laughs) And now, as Jamie says, there are budgets, you know, big talent, as we know, are getting kind of poached from radio to go and do podcasts but also the numbers are there you know that there's just huge huge audiences who are like gobbling up this content and you know we've always been quite different in that we've done seasons we've never been Mm a kind of always on show but I know from my consumption of what I listen to like I would just listen to the stuff that I like every day you know Mm. I would listen to more and more and more of it so it's kind of exciting that those big shows are there as a kind of, I guess, companion or alternative to radio, but also that those like little and niche shows can also exist in that ecosystem. As everything grows, there's more opportunity for everything. And I remember people telling us that as as we were starting, they were like, 
it sounds like a Liz Trussism, but like the pie, the pie is growing, whatever the phrase is. But like, you know, the whole, the whole world is bigger. The whole podcast world is bigger. And that's, you know, you kind of don't want to be one of five shows, do you? You want there to be mm. a whole world of stuff and people pick you in amongst that. You, you don't want to do it just, just to be like, that, that's the one that comes on your phone. So I'll listen to that. <laughs> like that U2 album years ago. It is that U2 album. Oh my goodness. When you think about straddling both radio and podcasting, which is, Alice, what you do and have done, then how do you feel about the way that one is evolving incredibly fast because it's so much younger and it can't, there's so much more room? And then how do you think that radio is holding up in comparison, live radio? I mean, I still love live radio. I've always got such a soft spot for it. And I really love that feeling of like, when it works, that amazing appointment to listen, everyone's listening to the same thing, particularly like during lockdown, we saw it kind of like race to the fore again, that everyone was just loving hearing Greg, you know, at the same time and everyone was listening to that same thing at 8.30 and it was really reassuring and, and really fun. So I think that's a really hard thing to replicate in podcasts. It's a sort of different thing altogether, really. But I have always made and listened to both. So I, I would really hate for one to disappear. I don't, I don't think podcasts can fill the gap of radio. And there's something incredibly reassuring about radio being the way that it is. But as somebody who makes stuff and has ideas and for like, you know, newer people and younger people, it's hard to get stuff made at, you know, a mainstream radio station or to get a show on a mainstream radio station. So if you've got a great idea like we did eight years ago, and you've got the time and the inclination to do it, then podcasting is where you can do that. You know, we wouldn't have got this commissioned, partly because of the name, <laughs> partly because of the content, partly because of, you know, all, you know, myriad things, really. So, I mean, that's great, isn't it? If you're, if you're mm. creative, then that's great. And I think it is also important to, to kind of remember that podcasting and radio are very different. You know, they aren't the same just because they're, both audio people kind of lump them together. And I know there's, there is crossover, of course there is, but I think when podcasting is done right, it feels very different to when radio is done right. And I think yeah. having those, those two things is really important. You've mentioned before that your show was done by seasons and every season covers a new book from the series. Do you think that since you were doing the podcast while the series was still being written, do you think Rocky's writing has evolved due to the impact of your podcast? He'd written four before we'd even started the podcast. So we, we knew he had four. And then the two subsequent ones we did after that were written so early in the podcast days that it was another fun kind of angle to call him out on, that those moments where it felt like he was trying to write to the audience. Like, it didn't happen a great deal, to be fair, but when it did, it just added another kind of thing for us to talk about. So it doesn't seem that way. And certainly, like, when we talked to him... Um, we actually spoke to him the other day. As far as he's concerned, there's there's so much we miss. We still don't get it as a three. Like, as far as he's concerned, he's operating on another plane and we're just playing <laughs> catch up. That's kind of how he sees it. Because every time that he tried to play into what he thought people wanted, he got it completely wrong. So it's like, <laughs> he doesn't really know what people like about the show anyway, which is kind of the charm, really. Yeah. I've kind of mentioned the live shows that you did, which have been so incredibly successful, but how did they help you to evolve the structure of the podcast? Because you're getting that immediate feedback, you're getting the laughs and you even did a write your own ending thing with the yeah. live shows as well. So can you talk about the influence of those on the podcast? It's a good question. I don't think anyone's ever asked us that. We always wanted the live show to be a separate kind of entity. We never thought of the live show as uh, something that would go in the podcast feed. Um, so the live shows were kind of structured, you know, with that in mind. Yeah, the, the most recent show we did was, uh, we called it a pick your porno. And at various points throughout <laughs> the show, the audience through various mechanisms decided where the story went next, um, which was really fun, went really well. But as far as how it's like influenced the podcast, I'm not sure because we keep them quite separate. I think the podcast is actually from that pilot that wasn't a pilot. You know, the format has stayed pretty steady. Like other than introducing, we introduced footnotes episodes where we realized there was this kind of coterie of high profile people who were obsessed with the books and wanted to come and talk about them. So we introduced these secondary sort of analysis 
interview episodes, if you like. But yeah, I, I, I really don't think that the live has been something that has impacted that. All it has really done is, is kind of been able to show us our audience mm. in a way that you never can when you're making a podcast. And like to James's point earlier, you know, we traveled the world. There was a kind of naivety at the beginning. We didn't really realize that it was a global format. I don't know why we didn't, but we just didn't really think of it in that way. So suddenly, if you're at the Sydney Opera House or Radio City Music Hall, you're like, oh, wow, there are thousands of people all over the world listening to this show. And that didn't change the way that we made the show, but it certainly made us feel a little bit more like there was a community there willing us on and wanting to kind of keep hearing the stories of Belinda. I'm just curious, what did the audience look like? Because you mentioned the astronaut listening to your podcast, and now I'm a bit confused about the listenership. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. You and me both. It was exclusively astronauts. <laughs> oh, <goodness. laughs> Old NASA. It's a real mix. I mean, there's younger, older. We do tend to skew female slightly. I think like it's like 55, 45 female. And we've always said that our audience, like a lot of them come in cosplay, a lot of them come dressed up as characters from the book, locations from the book, sentences from the book, like they, they really go to town <laughs> and they're super imaginative. But yeah, a, a, like there's a real sense with our audience that they love it in the same way that people love like a Marvel movie or something like that. They theorize about the books, they they know them inside out, they dress up for shows, they talk about them on Reddit and social media, like... They, there's a fan art. Fan art. They've re- built a real yeah. community outside of the podcast, and you can see a lot of that, like real engagement and real kind of enthusiasm when we do a live show. So, what do you think is going to happen when they finding out that you're not going to be making any more <laughs> after this? What's going to happen to that community? Do you think it's going to carry on, and will it exist without the regular podcast? I hope so. I mean, I think they've built. I mean, we have all built together, but they really have kept this community alive. You know, we do disappear for big chunks of time, you know, like eight, nine months at a time, you know, we're not on air. So, and they keep their community going. I think that's what's been so lovely is that we've we've kind of said, hey, here's a group of people that love one thing. Now it's kind of yours and they can do what they want with it. And, and dad's writing is not going to stop. You know, he's going to keep writing and creating stuff. And also... What's another great thing about podcasting is it's always there. You know, you can go back and listen to it. We get, I think my dad crunches the numbers a lot. And he told me the other day that we get 10,000 brand new listeners a day to my dad wrote a porno who listened to the first episode every single day. Wow. So it's constantly being discovered by new people. That community is constantly growing. And they're just the most incredibly supportive community of each other. They and as James says, they're so creative and they're so brilliant and 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 they've been so respectful not just to us but to my dad. You know, my dad's anonymous. No one's ever tried to to find out who he is. That you know, they're just a lovely, lovely group of people. So I think the Belinkers will 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 live. <laughs> Live on and prosper, I hope. I just have an image of an army of toffee apple chews. Cosplaying. <laughs> One thing we're also looking at is, you know, like, yes, we're kind of ending new original content, but how can we continue the brand by reversioning content? And, you know, kind of how could we kind of take this into the future and, mm-hmm. and you know, still serve the feed, in, the podcast feed in some way and still kind of, celebrate my dad wrote a porno even though we won't be making any new content anymore i think the moment the last episode goes out we're not closing the door on the brand we we'd like to keep it alive would you let another group of hosts take over the show or would you do a reunion episode in the future if the series continues on i don't think we'd ever have replacements that would would be madness we aren't the sugar babes with the spice girls we've we've made that clear Um, but uh, i do think that you know James said the other day, he was like, you know, never say never. And, you know, not wanting to kind of get ahead of our skis, but, you know, this isn't the end of the Belinda blinked, my dad wrote a porno story. So like, you know, who knows what the future's got in store. You often tease casting a Belinda blinked. Right. That, that's something Do that, we? you know, your guests come on and they talk about that. <laughs> that's hearsay. Is that something? <laughs> this is possibly the end of the podcast, but if it's not the end of the franchise, does that mean that we're going to see some visuals of Belinda et al? I think it's such a good idea. I think that's something <laughs> worth worth putting a pin in. I think. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we, we, 
we are having conversations, let's put it that way. Just with each other. Just with each other. <laughs> we're like, God, could this be visual? Um, <laughs> we're, well, yeah, we're, like one of the reasons like we're, we're kind of moving into a, a new phase of it and we're kind of having conversations and there's some like exciting things happening in the background. Nothing, unfortunately. We, we actually were really hoping it was stuff we could talk about in this period, but nothing concrete yet that we can... We can say. Can we say Belinda Blinks will be the new Fifty Shades of Grey? <laughs> <laughs> you can. <laughs> we can talk about something that is concrete, which is the kind of specials that you've got coming up, which are the ones mm. that are going to end the series entirely. So it's going to end with a, an interview with Rocky, right? Yeah. Very, very exciting. So was that a kind of like full circle moment for you guys? I think so. I mean... When we kind of began talking about ending the podcast, it was like, well, how can we end it? And really there was only one guest that made any real sense to get on to kind of say goodbye. And it is getting dad on mic for the very first time ever. Which is amazing. Which is many, really yeah. cool. Yeah. And to kind of give him his right to reply in a way and say, right, what do you think about us? <laughs> We've had eight years, you know, gently ribbing you. You've got 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we actually recorded it the other day. We recorded it last week and it was brilliant. And yeah. it was so nice for me, actually, to kind of share the microphone with my dad and for the listeners as well to kind of hear how much he loves this brand as well and how much... Because I think there is there is a, perhaps a misconception that he's not on board or that we're, we're like mean to him. It couldn't be further from the truth. My dad loves it. He loves James and Alice. He loves the fact that we rib him constantly. And to kind of talk about that on the show and talk about his journey and why he wrote these books and what he's learned and what he's experienced was just really fun, wasn't it, guys? It was a completely different... He was so hyped to do it as well. Like, yeah. I've actually never seen him in that mood. Like, he was... He's usually the life and soul of the party, isn't he? Like, we talked a lot about how he's a complete mm -hmm. wind-up merchant. He's um, always full of beans. There was a certain kind of, like... I won't say, like, studiousness, but, like, he really was like, <laughs> I've got to do this properly. Like, this is really yeah. important. And it was, it was just very sweet and touching. And I think, because we knew as well, that was the last thing that we would record it just had a real I don't know just a really special feeling around it poignancy yeah did you shed tears over the kind of last few recordings I I, I, I got emotional <laughs> I think I was the only one that did and you was like right let's finish this <laughs> it's like oh god guys oh. But I think because it's so personal to me in a way that it can never be for Alice and James yeah. you know this is my life it's my family it's it's not my identity, but it's, you know, it's, it's kind of wrapped up in, in a lot of kind of complicated things for me. So, and I think having dad opposite me and being able to kind of just say to him how proud I am of him was just a really special moment for me. What does the future look like for you in terms of podcasting? Are you guys going to work on something together again or are you going your separate ways now? We haven't actually talked about it. Um, I mean, Alice is so busy doing a million amazing things that to get her back to do anything would I'm be too probably, expensive. And it, you and just can't afford it. <laughs> I, I I hate to say it, but it would be it would it would be a disservice <laughs> to me uh, and to my mortgage for it to be any other way. Uh, we've always made stuff together. That's kind of the the basis of how we met and like what we've always loved doing together. Like some people love going to the pub, some people love going to the football and we've always loved writing things, filming things, recording things. So it would be strange for us not to do that in some form and there's exciting stuff afoot. So yeah, I mean, as Jamie said, we've sort of been focusing on, just been focusing on finishing this bit first, if that's quite all right. Um, but yeah, as you said earlier, like, what happens to the audience? You know, like, where do they go? And it kind of feels like the temptation is to just jump straight back into something and kind of harness harness that and, and give them something else. But um, I think we always think for quite a long time about stuff that we do. We're a bit more tortoise than hare. So mm -hmm. yeah, let's see. Now that six seasons have passed with Belinda Blink, what has been your favourite chapter? Ooh. Favourite chapter? I mean, I don't like any of them. Um, <laughs> but it is my father's pornography, so I might... Uh, 
I might pass that one to the gang. What do you two think? The one that always jumps out for me, and I forget the name of the chapter, but basically Belinda goes to Belgium and goes to this private members club and participates in this kind of very strange sex game. And while they're getting undressed, all everyone's clothes who are taking part without their consent are taken out of the room and sent to local charity shops <laughs> for no reason. Well, like it's never explained, but literally they take them off and they're whisked away, put in a van and sent to like Oxfam. How um, generous. Very generous. So nice. If you're in a private members club, you can afford to let your clothes go to charity, I think. And aren't they stood on chairs at the time? They're stood on chairs, so they, they can't quite get to their clothes to get them back. They're, oh they're like, it's the most kind of quintessentially bizarre Rocky chapters. And I, I always revisit it because it's so funny. That is a very good choice. Um, one of mine is the, I think it's the second or third chapter of the first book, because it was the first time that Rocky got completely sidetracked by business. <laughs> And by the yeah. logistics of sort of like taxi journey lengths and like how if you're too close to Heathrow, like, you, you know, it's a minimum fare and all of that absolutely boring shit. Um, and it was, I feel like it's a, a really important part of, like the show should be called My Dad Wrote a Porno and Business Manual, as we know, because that was <laughs> Rocky's aim and, and dream. And I feel like that's the chapter, you, you guys will remember which one it is. Um, it's um, the regional sales meeting. Is that two or three? Three. It's three. three. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just feel like it's, we just died. Like we just couldn't breathe. And <laughs> just whenever he goes into anything that is like pure business, he gets really, really distracted and just gets really into that. And I just love those moments. Every, every chapter is just this kind of escalating. That's what I love about like listening to it. It's just like, there are funny mad bits at the start, but just as the chapter goes on by the end, you're like, what on earth is he talking about? And this, this madness just grows and grows. And every chapter has something. It's like every single one that we've ever read has got some bit of gold in there. I mean, a lot of dross, but a few little nuggets of gold. At least. And a real sort of childlike instinct to get it all wrapped up by the end you know kind of like and then they all put their clothes back on and then they went back to the meeting room and then they had the meeting it's like everything's sort of expedited at the end it's like and quick you need an ending we always said if there was something in it because obviously we're like we get what we're given like there's no uh we hear it on mic and we get what we're given we always say if there's a bit that has us just like falling about and gets me like cackling then we feel like Mm -hmm. it's a it's a great chapter and that always kind of seems to end up happening we're talking about kind of franchising and all the different areas you've done the live shows and the book of course and then the hbo comedy special i mean how on earth did that happen and what was that like how did that sort of i don't know galvanize you it was an interesting one It, it it happened because hbo came to one of our shows in new york in 2018 and they kind of, I guess, like talent scouted it, I don't know, and saw it and kind of said, we want to do this. They were they were making quite a lot of podcast adaptations at, at that time. There was Two Dope Queens, Pod Save America and Us, and we were all given these comedy specials, which was really exciting. But the interesting thing about that was that we learned so much from saying yes to another TV project way earlier in the UK that, that didn't really work and mm-hmm. we, we actually walked, walked away from. Oh, what um, didn't work about it? We just felt like it didn't really capture the tone of the podcast. I mean, mm-hmm. we, I think actually ultimately what it was, was I think we were a little bit too hesitant to really be involved properly and to put our stamp on it. So that when it came to HBO happening or the potential of it happening, we were very clear that we wanted to make it our own way. And I know HBO is famous for this, but they were so supportive of us just to be like, look, here's your hour, do what you want with it. And they really let us have the freedom to kind of make the show that we wanted to make. So I think that was quite an interesting thing for us to to have learned through the process to kind of know when something doesn't quite feel right. And then when something does, that's when you do that next step. We've always said that whatever iteration of the podcast, whether it be a book or a live show or a TV show, has to have a reason for being beyond just, hey, do you want to make a TV show? It has to be doing something that the podcast isn't catering to or isn't being done by any other part of the brand. So with obviously TV, it's being able to visualise it for the first time and get it to a a huge global audience. And someone like HBO was, I mean, mad. We were on after Game of Thrones. It was insane. What impact did that have on you guys 
you know, in terms of like the creativity, but also audiences? I mean, people come up to me all the time and say that, particularly in America, which makes mm-hmm. sense, that they discovered the podcast through the TV show. Interesting. Um, which was a great gateway, again, for people who maybe weren't that au fait with podcasting. And it kind of, I, in fact, I was talking to somebody in Chicago and they watched the HBO special and then they got into podcasting and now they work in podcasting and they'd never heard of podcasting before oh, wow. seeing the HBO special. So I think finding new audiences that then bring themselves to podcasting and discover a whole other medium is really cool. Mm. We've always thought of ourselves as the sort of DIY underdogs. You know, people have much bigger machines behind them than us. And then when you do something like that, it kind of gives you a a polish and a sort of legitimacy, which, I mean, we'd been doing it for a long time by that point, but it, it sort of puts you in a different category. And I think we all found that quite weird because, you know, we think of ourselves as a little show really because we are compared to things that have big broadcasters behind them. And and like Jamie said earlier, you know, we're, we're on the same pile of cookbooks around the same kitchen tables, if not in the same flats, but, you know, you know, a lot of the stuff is the same. So I think it did kind of give it like kudos, obviously having HBO attached to anything sort of changes the trajectory of things. And it probably has opened doors longer term for anything that we might one day do with my dad wrote porno. <laughs> cool. Can somebody else interrupt? Good. <laughs> Just really quickly then, you kind of talking about yourselves as being a really small show still. And you must be the only people in the world that think that, right? Because everybody else kind of <laughs> cites My Dad Wrote a Porno as one of the biggest, most successful kind of, if you think of podcasting, your name is synonymous with podcasting now. Does that feel odd to you? Are you still kind of playing catch up with your audience there? We're all control freaks for a start. So like we always wanted to kind of keep it in-house. And one of the joys of it for us, like don't get me wrong, the success of it has been out of this world and more than we could have ever dreamed of. But I think what keeps us going with it is that kind of creative drive, that that want to to make something and to make something great and to make something that, you know, has an audience, no matter kind of how big or small. We just get so excited about coming up with ideas and like getting together to plan the live show or you know, even thinking about this finale and how we were going to do it and how we were going to, like, it's all just like really fun stuff to us. And I I think that's what is our kind of driving force behind it ultimately. Mm. And and also I think it's important to kind of trust the show that you're making, if that makes sense. And I think you never want the success of anything to impact on the actual product that you're creating because then it changes what made it special to begin with. So I think we've been very careful to not ever let, what's happening externally come back into the podcast, if that makes any Mm -hmm. sort of sense. I think it was really important to us that we kept it feeling like my dad wrote a porno. It's never become, you know, too cool for school or, you know, I think that's important because that's the show that got you to where it was, you know, to begin with. And ultimately it's kind of what we were making. I mean, is a sort of version of what we were making when we did student television together. So in a way, like that hasn't changed either. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. a small group of people making something with their fingerprints all over it. And to James's point about, you know, the stuff that we find fun, like whenever we do videos to launch a series, which, you know, are, are often from James's creative head or Jamie's, you know, Jamie's brain, like, they just remind me of that stuff we did as students, not in the quality, but in the, kind of, <laughs> but in, in, in the fact that like, that's what we loved doing. And there's no, there's yeah. no real reason to have an elaborate video trailer, film trailer for the start of a podcast series, but cause that's what we love to do. It, it feels very honest and true to what we've built. So yeah, I don't think you would do all of those little things along the way if it wasn't a kind of labour of love. Absolutely. Not the quality, not the quality. (laughs) Not the quality. (laughs) Before we wrap up, I'd love to know if you could kind of go back and speak to the three of you doing the first ever pilot podcast, what would you tell yourselves about podcasting that would kind of really help you out? Ooh, upgrade your technical capabilities because you record on garage band yeah so this is this is an industry kind of podcast right this is focused on people who know what they're doing in podcasting 
I mean, it's yeah, people who maybe have at least at least a step on the ladder. Yeah. So they might be outraged to hear that. Yes, we record on GarageBand. <laughs> we use the same mics we've been using for eight years. Alice's stand is wonky. My wires like not working very well. But I'd recommend we- the CO One U Pros. My God, these bad boys. <laughs> They're sturdy. I'll give them that. There's a weird nostalgia to our mics, though. I think like they've recorded every single. Yeah. Part of my dad wrote a porno. Even if they were, I mean, Alice is, is basically broken, but like we, we kind of wanted to finish the show with these mics. It would have felt weird to not, even though that's a stupid thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's like magic in these mics, guys. <laughs> I, th- I, I think we, I mean, this is sort of advice, but also, I mean, we did this to a certain extent. One of the things that we did at the beginning that I feel like we hadn't done on previous projects was really kind of commit and not just kind of go, Mm. oh, let's just chuck something out there. And if people find it, they find it. And I think a large part of that was down to James's sort of production head, which was like, we need a logo. We need music. We need the website. We need like handles on all social media. We need all Mm. of that in place before we even get going. And we need a sort of plan of attack. If we think this is a good enough idea to make it, then we think it's a good enough idea to like actually put our weight behind it. And I think it's sometimes tempting to kind of like soft launch things, particularly because for me personally, anyway, like I always have so much doubt around stuff that I've made. So it's sort of tempting to just be like, it's there under a rock if you want to look at it, but don't worry if you don't. (laughs) Here are the coordinates. (laughs) Whereas with this, like we were like, no, we have to shout about it. And like, if we don't believe in it, then no one's going to listen to it. And And I think we learned that from doing lots of different things that we maybe were a bit more coy about and I think just to kind of piggyback on that point which is kind of related piggyback away just on the business side as well just be really kind of get all of that stuff sorted up front who owns what of the IP do you own the IP first of all I mean make Mm -hmm. sure you own the IP what what are the splits you know set up a company just really put everything in place and if nothing happens nothing happens and that's fine but if something does happen and it becomes big getting all of that stuff sorted early doors just it just saves a load of Mm. hassle later on it's a statement of intent as well isn't it yeah that's really helpful advice actually thank you thank you so much for joining us it's been a real pleasure to talk to you all what a lovely way to wrap up belinda blinked oh thanks Thanks for having us us. it's really good fun thank Thank you. you so much Thank you so much to the My Dad Wrote a Porno gang. That was a really lovely interview. They are always so much fun. They're such fun people and they have such a good friendship as well. Like You can clearly see it from the way they speak with each other. Yeah, even just listening to them kind of going back and forth, the chemistry is so, so obvious that they have. And I think that's really what makes the podcast work so well is just that they're such big fans of each other. Yeah, and you can tell that their friendship goes back so far. I thought it was really interesting what they were saying about how they still think of their podcast as this really small, Mm. you know, indie thing that they just do around their kitchen table because that is what they do. And it is interesting how we would, we do think of it as this huge phenomenon because it is, but that Mm. they have to kind of keep grounding themselves in what made them so big in the first place which was just listening in to mates in their flat having a laugh and and we you know that can go horribly wrong i've heard so many podcasts where people <laughs> think that that is a winning um, kind of chemistry thing and it just mm. for them it really was it really worked and i don't know what makes that stand out i think the crucial difference is you have to be funny people for that to work <laughs> it's, true, it's true i think that's what kept the authenticity in the show as well because they also mentioned in the interview the fact that the guests that they've had on were fans of the show as well when something didn't work for them they walked out of a project like Mm -hmm. they really chose to stay as authentic as possible to what the show is about and I think that had to do with also them being humble about it and and not realizing how big the fandom is I feel like we should mention the astronaut. Oh my God, the astronaut. Oh yeah. Yes, that was fabulous. So obviously, you know, talking about the live shows and all of the things that make the podcast what it is outside of the podcast was really interesting. But the one thing that I think we all kind of gasped at was the request to speak (laughs) to (laughs) a real life astronaut from NASA. 
It's like yeah. crazy. I mean, you were talking earlier about them still thinking of themselves as a kind of little indie outfit. How could you possibly think of yourself as an indie <laughs> outfit when NASA astronauts not only know who you are, but want to talk to you specifically? <laughs> that's just, that's got to be such a what the hell moment. That's going to be a pod pod exclusive. NASA astronauts actually listen to my dad wrote a porno when they're in space. <laughs> Here's my question, though. If you are on the International Space Station, do you have to download like a season's worth of podcast episodes before you go up? Can you download <laughs> podcasts in space? I reckon you must. They must have Wi-Fi. They've got to in, have space, Wi-Fi in space, no one can hear you stream. <laughs> hey, very good. <laughs> the other thing that they were incredibly coy about but in such a way that it was basically an announcement in itself, (laughs) is that they are definitely casting an actual TV version Mm. or series or film version of porno. And we've kind of always, it's always been hinted at throughout the years, but now I guess putting the podcast to bed means that they have the time and space and an actual now through thread to a narrative arc. (laughs) Do you think that they're going to keep the, you know, because they have been casting this genuinely with each special guest they've had on do you mm. think that that's gonna stick in any way or are we gonna see Lin-Manuel Miranda pop up oh as oh my god as, <laughs> can know. you imagine <laughs> I can see it being a sort of like a, a mockumentary or comedy special <laughs> because I don't think or some some sort of like comedy murder mystery because it's I don't think any part of the plot is gonna amount to being a drama considering <laughs> 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 it goes into like 50 different directions um, but it'll be fun to see guest appearances from the people they've had on the show yeah that would be epic i can't wait to see dame emma thompson pop up (laughs) as the duchess presumably Um, (laughs) well a massive thank you to my dad wrote a porno team for giving us a podcast exclusive Thank you so much to you for listening. You can find out more about PodPod and all of the things that we've discussed on PodPod.com. You can sign up to our daily email bulletins and follow us at PodPod Official. Rate and subscribe and also leave us a little review. You know, we'd love to know what you think of the podcast and what we can add to it. Thank you so much to Reem and to Adam. The podcast is produced by Emma Caution for Haymarket Business Media and I'm your host, Rihanna Dillon. Bye.